Welcome to the club! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. In today's music business, you're going to need more than talent. They're not going to develop the diamond in the rough. You have to have a track record. You have to have done some business to attract the business. That's where you're going to get the publishing deal. That's where you're going to get the booking agent, the record label, the management contract. You've got to make the move first and prove that your brand works and that your music has value. That's why we call this podcast The Climb, C-L-I-M-B, Creating Leverage in the Music Business. It's a backstronym. And that comes from my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter. Brent's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Antebellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And he helps songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you can write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then on a regular, including some messages coming up today, he's going to connect you to the pros. You can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally, and they're identifying new fans through data. And by the way, Johnny took out one hard word in the intro, tour, tour, tour. Tour. Uh, Artist on tour, but he added digitally. Anyway, if you're an artist looking to increase <laughs> your put stream, it another 50 sound. <laughs> no, just like, oh, let's go the other end. You can't do that one syllable word. Let's have a couple more syllables that have to go really fast. Come on, Mr. Word Man, Mr. Error. Digitally. <laughs> Both ends of the spectrum. Just keep me in the middle. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists such as Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That is production, singular, no S, and there is no S because there is no other. Johnny D. What's going on, brother? Ooh, I'm excited about today. Yeah, what are we going to learn today? I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit on the Songwriting Pro community. Periodically, on a regular basis, we do a Know the Pro event. We bring in a pro in the music business. We do a Zoom video conference, so like a face-to-face from anywhere in the world. And we bring in a guest, and I ask them some questions for the first half hour, and then we open it up to the Songwriting Pro subscriber community questions. If you're a member there, you get to ask your questions and get answers directly from a pro and get some FaceTime and that kind of stuff. What I'm going to share is from just late in 2019, we had Butch Baker on as a guest. I believe it was in December or November, December, I think November of 2019. He's a music publisher. He's been around Nashville for years. He's with Mojo Music and Media now. And some of their writers there are Bart Butler, who produces John Party and has a bunch of hits with John Party. He's producing Trace Atkins and a lot of good folks over there. And he's been in the game forever. A lot of great values. And some of the stuff we're going to cover, and this is what we're going to share today, is what made him sign his newest staff songwriter, what got him to pull the trigger on paying somebody to come on staff, the importance of demo quality, how does it matter when they're pitching, and also like why he would like to take writers' names off of pitches. Yeah. Oh, yeah, a little, little intrigue. Why would he like, like to take Like the way Instagram takes likes off of posts. Maybe. So we're going to get into that. If you stick around you'll, this episode, you'll hear that. That is fascinating. Okay, well, before we do that, let's take care of a little business here. Yes. It's a digital world. We all know it. But 
there is still an important role for physical media for today's independent musician. You're going to need physical media to get the cash flow that you need to get from one town to the other. Digital royalty payments are so small that selling a product like CDs, vinyl, T-shirts at gigs has become not an important income generator. That's an understatement. It's become a mission-critical income generator. Gets you to the next town critical. That's right. Yeah. Because for every CD that you sell at a gig, that equals about 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money. So that's a lot of streams. So 3,000 streams in one hand, one CD on your merch table in the other, which you think you have a better shot of doing Friday night at your gig, right? And hopefully you're doing more than one CD. So I think you're leaving money on the table when you don't have merch on the table. Thankfully, our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for such discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even T-shirts. You can find them online at discmakers.com. That is D-I-S-C makers.com. Or give them a call at 800-468-9353. That's 800-468-9353. Hey, if you haven't joined the Climb community yet, please do so. Look us up on Facebook. Ask to be let in. We let everybody in. You have to be good boys and girls or you will be roadhoused. But this is, it's not rapidly growing, but it's steady (laughs) as all get out. Like just continues to grow and it continues to become more and more active. We're really proud of this. This is not a group where people are shouting into a corner where you're going to come back a week later and the same post that was up there is still going to be up there. There's stuff going on like every single day. And these are songwriters and these are indie artists and these are indie musicians that are all trying to help each other and help each other find their way. They're hooking up with co-writes. They're Mm -hmm. finding out, hey, man, what did you do to get more people at this show? And and they're asking questions and they're getting answers and uh, mostly from the community. I mean, yeah. We weigh in, but usually when I weigh in, I've just got that emoji with the finger pointing up. Pointing up to what he said. said, (laughs) Or what she said. Exactly, yes. (laughs) Because that was brilliant. So subscribe to the podcast at Apple iTunes or Stitcher or iHeartRadio or Spotify, wherever you consume podcasts. Leave a five-star rating and review, or if you don't think it's worth five stars, be honest and leave that too. And Mm -hmm. finally, tell a friend about it. That's what's most important here. Your referral, like they know, like, and trust you. And if you're getting some value out of it, turn them on to it. That's how we continue to grow this here. We've got a new review too. Let's We do. Let's see that. What's that telling us, Johnny? This is Golden Giggles in a Podcast, five-star rating by Ted Fogg. Says this songwriting show provides hints and insights every songwriter needs to hear. The amusing rapport between the knowledgeable hosts keeps this show ticking along with ease. If you're not making notes after listening to these two, you might want to check your pulse for signs of songwriting life. Don't miss this fabulous podcast. Dude. Yeah, that was sweet. Thank you, Ted yeah. Fogg. Heck yeah. All right, gold and giggles. I'll be gold, you can be giggles. <laughs> okay. All right, that. there we go. All right. <laughs> Thank you for the review. Let's get into this interview here. Yes. So we're just going ahead and just roll this interview, and we'll be back to wrap it up in about 30 minutes. A Nashville resident since 1979, tonight's guest began his career in music as a staff songwriter for the legendary Acuff Rose. He made the transition to artist in the mid-1980s, signing with Mercury Records and working with producer Harold Shedd and charting several radio singles. He transitioned to the business side in the early 90s, working as an independent A&R rep for Giant Records. He ran Nashville's Encore Publishing and then joined music publisher Hori Pro in 2005. Recently, Hori Pro was acquired by Mojo Music and Media, 
and now our guest runs Mojo's Nashville office, ensuring that the company's riders and catalogs are professionally managed and relentlessly promoted. Got that right off the website. Please welcome tonight's guest to know the pro, Butcher Baker. Hey, buddy. They're waving, they're on mute, but they're golf clapping and screaming and all that good stuff. Thanks for joining us. Good to see you, friend. You too, man. All right, so here's the deal. My goal for tonight is to help these riders that are on with us live and those that are going to be watching or listening to the replay in the future. I want to help them on their songwriting journeys. I want to help them get where they want to go. In short, I want to help them turn pro, whether that's a pro in their attitudes and their education, uh, their work ethic, and also their goals, cuts, and that kind of stuff. I want to do what we can tonight to help them point them in that direction as well. Sound good? That sounds great to me. All yes, right. sir. Good deal. And what I want to do is kind of tease out some of your lessons and your perspective. You know, these people showed up because they want to hear from an active music publisher, which tells me they either want to get publishing deals or they want to get published. They want to get cuts and hits and all that good stuff. And a lot of the people's questions center around, hey, how do I get to a publisher? How do I get a publishing deal? That sort of thing. And, and while probably over this hour, we'll talk in general terms about that as well. I also like to dive in to some specifics and specific examples. And if you're up for it, I'd like to talk about the last rider that you signed to Mojo, whoever that might be. And how did you become aware of the latest rider that you signed? So actually like this is how the last one actually worked, knowing that every story is a little bit different on how people uh, get signed to deals. But I'm curious about the last rider that y'all signed, you know, who is it? Or, or even if you don't want to give us a name, what made you decide to pull the trigger and how did that come about? What put them over the top? Okay. Last rider we signed is a rider by the name of Lalo Guzman. And Lalo is a really amazing track guy. We had been looking for a track guy for quite some time, hoping that we'd be able to find the right guy. But a little bit different. Our criteria for that was a little different. We wanted somebody that was also a rider, not just somebody that was creating tracks and, what, in other words, come into a right, bring their tracks in, and then the other rider or other two riders or however many were, were there would write to that track. We wanted somebody that would actually come in, be able to participate in, in the lyric, change the melody, and it took us a long time. And we actually went through two or three different close deals to be able to get Lalo. Lalo is that guy. He's very, very talented. And then the first thing that probably attracted us to him was – his tracks are amazing. Mm. I mean, they sound just like what fortunately or unfortunately, and I can argue both sides of this because, you know, I've been here a long time, but I, what we're hearing on the radio, a big part of that right now are track generators. So a lot of the tracks that you hear on the radio right now are either partial or even total tracks that are generated, you know, in the box. You don't have to like it, but we have to be competitive by what we're dealing with. Lala was our first track rider ever in the history of the of the company. A little late to that party, because as you know, a lot of a lot of people have uh, have signed track riders in the past. But the biggest thing for him, he's a great singer. He's a great producer. If he didn't do a track at all, he's a songwriter at his as very core. Cool. If the industry kind of moves away from the track stuff. He still has a seat at the table. He still has relevant skills. For sure. Yes, he does. Cool. And what is part of the, that superpower that the track gives a 
a publisher, I guess, why that's nice to have that in the fold. Is it because of the specific sonics that it gives songs? Is it saving on demo cost or what kind of is some of the attraction of, of why so many track people are, are you hoping to get to a producing gig for an artist and cuts come that way? What's, what's part of the attraction for that? I think everything you just named, it's because Lalo could be a producer under, under today's standards so easily. He's unbelievable in the studio. He's got great ideas. But if the ear of the A&R person is becoming the ear to listen to tracks, you, you better be in that game to give them what they're used to, to listen. You and I both know, you've been here a, a long time too. It has to sound like a record. And if what we're dealing with, it sounds like a creative record on the charts, then we have to play that game. Now, is that true in every case? Absolutely not. You and I have both gotten cuts from nothing more than a work take, mm-hmm. you know, from, from a great piano vocal, from a great from a great guitar vocal. It happens all, all the time. But I think it really depends on the groove of the song. If, if it's a progressive, pop-sounding, modern country sound, then that probably is going to be driven by a track. Did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. Primarily for the sound. And he just does amazing tracks. He does wonderful tracks. Mm-hmm. I know for myself, part of the allure for me to writing with track people is, I mean, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago I wrote with wrote with a writer on who's also a producer. We weren't writing with the track in the room. We were just writing in the room. So it was all acoustic. And we wrote on Tuesday. And by Saturday, he sent me a demo with him singing. Yeah. He's a great singer. Sounds great. Cost me zero dollars. And I'm like, well, that was a fast turnaround. That's nice. I didn't have to ask anyone's permission either. Isn't that great? They all love it. Love it. Yeah. I t- here's our experience. We'll leave in the morning for a retreat, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, come home, Friday retreat. We'll take three track guys with us. There'll be 15 riders. We'll come home with almost everything completely demoed. Mm-hmm. Basically, so we you do three or five rooms of three or three room, Yeah, something like that, and you'll have tracks in most rooms as you're riding, yeah. right? Tracks in most rooms as we're riding. And then, you know, it's a cooperative thing because what happens in a lot of cases – Track guys will, will kind of help the riders as well. They'll say, hey, man, what would you guys write today? That's cool. Let me, I've, got a, I've got a beat thing. Let me help you with that. In fact, a song two years ago, we had a track on it by the first night. It was on hold by the same night, and then that song wound up becoming a single. It's pretty neat. But you know what? I'll, I'll go ahead and say this. The track can be as good as you want. The song's got to be a hit. I'm sorry. It can sound great. And I used to say when I sang demos, and you know, I did that for a long, long time. I can make a C song, a B song by the way I approach it in the studio. I cannot make a B song, an A song. Not by the best performance or the best sounding track. That was on the day that God put that in those writers' hands and put it on paper and started playing it on a guitar or a piano. That's what happened on that day. Yeah. I remember hearing something from Garth and Alan Reynolds that to make sure it wasn't demo love that they'd always strip everything down and just have him learn it and play it on acoustic. And just like, does this kill just acoustic? Yeah. Okay, good. We're just making sure it's not the demo. Take the smoke and mirrors away mm-hmm. and, and see if the song still holds up something else. I wish we saw more of this is when the songs were pitched, I would love to see a lyric lyrics are fine. 
with no writer's name on it, no publisher's name on it, and let whoever's making the decision decide from the song and the lyric. I think we can all agree. I see at least one fist bump. <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah. I would love it if it, if it were that way. And you know, there's such thing as writer worship. Mm-hmm. You see somebody's name and all of a sudden it registers in your head and it shouldn't be that way. I'd like to believe that everybody's on this call tonight has the ability working hard at it to write a hit song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's people get preconditioned to love something. Yep. Like, oh, I'm expecting to love this versus if it's a name they don't know, I'm probably not expecting to love it because I don't already know who they are. And right. that's human nature. We get all get yep. conditioned. I, yep. If I hear that George Strait has a new song coming out, I'm expecting to love it. Yep. Because he's yep. proven it time and again. I may not love it, but I'm expecting to. Yep. That's so true. Yeah. It's so true. So, I want to love it. Exactly. Yeah. I want to I love it because you and I, we love George. And it was very true. Bob Beckham used to tell me, he would say, you know, I was mentioning Larry Gatlin one day and he said, be careful. You know, he's such a great singer. Joe Diffie was that way. He was such a Travis Tritt. We were friends. They're such amazing singers, but listen to that song. Listen to that lyric. Don't be wooed by how great the vocal was. Mm -hmm. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Very true. They make everything sound great, but it's still got to be the song. So that that's great info. So we talked about your last writer you signed. And in general, like how are some ways that songwriters get on your radar that you've seen songwriters get on publishers radar? Because a lot of people have the question like, I mean, I just can't get hurt. I can't get anyone to notice me. What are some ways that people come across your desk or that you know of just in general ways that writers are getting noticed a little bit by publishers? Not necessarily enough to get signed, but an open door some notice, that sort of thing. For the most part, it's a song. I want to hear a great song out of a writer. And I remember a good example was Amy Hendon was beat me up a little bit about signing a guy by the name of Phil Barton. And 
I kept saying, play me another song, play me another song. And Phil, and she came in one day, played me this really cool song, and I said, okay, we'll sign Phil. I've, I've heard it. I can show him what the yardstick looks like by the fact that this song that he wrote. And so we called Phil in. We started working on a deal. We did the deal. And I told him, I said, I'm signing you because I heard what I think is a hit. I, I believe this song right here will be your first first cut. Just a few months later, he carried in a song called Woman Like You. I, I looked him in the eye. I heard the song. I said, Phil, I stand corrected. This will be your first cut. And as a matter of fact, it was a number one on Lee Bryce. Lee Bryce, yeah, yeah. Woman for, Like You. Yeah, great song. Yeah. And, and it's so subjective because – we could have 10 people here and they they hear a song 10 different ways. And I've often said all you need in, in this business is one hero, somebody that super believes in you. But for me, I'm constantly listening for something we don't have and also listening for, for what I consider a hit song because I can show that writer the yardstick. And I call it yardstick by looking at a song and saying, okay, there it is right there. Then, and like in the case of Mike Walker, when Lee Crable carried Mike Walker in and played me songs by Mike Walker, Mike Walker just had that something little special. It's just a little, it, he was coming from someplace else. It was just a little, little different. Sometimes it was a little too far out there, but he was trying to reach for that something that was just a little bit different. And so we signed Mike for that reason, but he, and he was real consistent in that. And just so you know, like, we'll sign a writer, and we start managing their, their catalog today. So we start managing their rights. Some rights a writer would have are really working in that right. Some aren't. And it's not social hour. It's time that when they go right that we can actually get something that we can demo or we can use it or start pitching right there. What you try to do is if you look at – at groups of five or six of songs and you're managing that writer's career right and you're changing up who he's writing with and it's working you might out of when you first sign a young writer i'm talking about a baby writer you're starting to get a couple of good songs maybe out of six or seven rights and then if you manage that writer correctly you're shortening that down so instead of being a couple of songs out of six eight rights now you're getting four out of six or eight now you're getting five, and you're bringing that writer along where almost every right, not it's too hard to say that everything, but almost everything is valid. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So let's talk some more about managing the writer. Oh, actually, before we get to that, you mentioned like a couple of people that brought like Phil Barton in, brought Mike Walker in. Who are those people? Because I'm curious about how they went from unknown to you to known to you. So they went through, I guess, trusted sources, people that had your well, yeah. ear. Both those people, Amy and, and Lee, were both working for Hoi Pro at the time. Okay. So so they came in. And also, the obvious thing to do then is take those riders and start putting them together with your riders. And then what I want is the feedback from our riders on a new rider. Hey, this guy came in. This lady came in. Had great ideas. Already had three melodies worked up. They were workers. They had their part down. And I love to hear from our riders. And as a matter of fact, the first time I ever heard, I mentioned uh, Lalo Guzman. The first time I heard from Lalo was from Bart Butler, a writer of ours who also met, produces John Pardee, Trace Atkins. He's now doing Randall King. He came in and said, man, I wrote with this track guy 
amazing. His name's Lalo Guzman. And that's when we all got eyes on, on him because that's what we were looking for. So you never know where it's going to come from. I've been out and go to the Bluebird and, and hear a new a new rider, go to the listening room, hear a new rider. And I try to do a lot of these kind of things, like what we're doing right here tonight. I do Larry Beard's song critique thing. I, I love to do that because you never know. I mean, Harlan Howard is out there someplace. And in case you don't know who that is, it's like I honestly believe he's maybe the greatest songwriter ever in the history of country music. But if I want to sit here and believe that I don't think that that person's out there and the person's on this call right here, I should get out right now. I should quit because I think that there are people that just have not been able to connect the dots between where it is or haven't gotten heard. I did a thing the other day for Cherie Sapori and heard an amazing song and I'm determined I'm going to get that song cut. And once again, it just takes one. So, it's just down to a song for me, but but a song I might not get, you would get, or someone else would get, and and think it's song of the year. Mm-hmm. So it's it's so subjective. It's tough. Yeah, I talk about reach and frequency. You know, you got to be able to reach a lot of ears, a lot of ears, to find that champion, and then come back. You know, frequency, come back, and then come back again. I call events like this an at bat. It's a chance to get your face and your voice in front of a publisher and then maybe you run into them again later and there's something else. And, you know, you just got to be patient and grow that relationship because most stuff doesn't happen on a first meeting or on a first, you know, impression. Usually door openers, not deal closers. But speaking of first meetings, we have a few minutes left before we open it up. What is a realistic expectation for an unsigned, like baby writer, like you called them. So no cuts writer when they meet with a publisher, you know, what should they consider to be, a successful meeting with a publisher. Say they've they've gotten on the radar of somebody at, at Mojo and like, hey, you know, Butch, I think you should meet with this person. They come in and you're just learning their stuff. What's a successful meeting? Where should they kind of set their expectations in in a realistic way? Yeah, I think I think if if you meet with that person and, the, and obviously if they love something you got, that's a successful meeting anytime, whether you been in the business 25 years believe me i still get a rush when i go in with chris lacy or buddy cannon and they tell me they love, love something i'll never get over that mm-hmm. where you've loved this song and they get it too but i think also a successful meeting is where somebody leaves the door open for you when you go and you have that meeting with them and they say you know what i like what you're trying to do i don't hear anything that i can use right here but i want to stay us to stay in touch when you're back in town or when you get something you're really excited about, please send it to me and let's stay in touch with each other. Let's keep that going. I think that's a very successful meeting. Great. And the flip side of the coin, what are some mistakes you've seen writers make that damage the meeting that are some no-nos, some, you know, some things on their don't do list mistakes you've seen writers make that you want to help everyone here get educated and not make those mistakes in a meeting with a publisher. Yeah, I, I think the, the thing is, be considerate of the songs you're going to play for somebody and their time. You know, in other words, if you think, and it's tough because I remember, you know, you want to believe that everything you've got could be valid. But if you have somebody that, if you've got 10 songs, but you only get a reaction to three songs ever, 
play that person those three songs and don't play any more. I mean, like Tim Dubois said to me one day, I started playing songs. He took the first song. He took the second song. He took the third song, which I, and I, I was sitting there just, man. I, and he goes, you want to go for the cycle? You want to, you want to bat for a thousand? You want to see if you can get one more? And I said, I don't know, Tim, I'm doing really good. You know, I've got your attention though. And he says, you want to go, for, you can be in the hall of fame. You want to go for four? And I did. And he took the four. So I had a really good day that day. That's an amazing day. But anytime you can go and somebody takes one song, I, I think it's great. And myself, I don't want to, like you're talking about the bad side, I don't want to ever waste anybody's time. And, and if, I, if I hit somebody up to play them a song or one of our guys does, I want, I want to believe that we co- we're coming in there to play them quality things. And get back to your question, I think it's the same. Be considerate of, of what you're going in. And listen, if you've got something you're excited about, you don't have a demo on it, you just got a work tape, that's okay. That's fine because I, I listen to work tapes every single day. Most of the things I hear the very first time just from work tape in, in, in a room. And if you've got a, a guy that's been in the business a long time, you and I both know, you can, you can get your point across. In fact, we set up a small studio at our place just to slap the computer down, go into GarageBand, make a better than boombox kind of version of the demo if it's something we love so we can run with it the next morning. Cool. So yeah, not even always pitching full demo if it's the right song. Not, if it's the right song and you, and you believe you've got the right match song full of the act and there's nothing, nothing worse than going into an A&R person and then look at you and go, what would possibly make you think that's great for this act? You know, <laughs> you've got to be a pretty darn good caster too. I think. If I can't hear Blake Shelton singing the song, I don't care how good the song is. Well, the song's really cool. It's like, yeah, but can you hear Blake Shelton singing that song? Part of this business is also, as you know, it's casting that song like Ronnie Dunn. He, he didn't used to like a lot of words in songs. That didn't like them really wordy. Ronnie liked short phrases, and that's the way he sang. If you looked at the way he wrote songs, that's the way he wrote them because that was comfortable to him. Don't take a real wordy, long line song into Ronnie. He's probably not going to get it. So it's how you cast that. At the same time, Reba liked to hear male vocals. So strangely enough, she'd rather hear a male vocal than a female vocal. Why? Because when guys and girls sing, they accent different words because we're different. And they would sing a lyric different than a guy would. Reba knew how she'd sing it, she wanted to hear how a guy would sing it and how he would accent. So she told me more times than, than I can count, it's okay to play me a male vocal because I want to hear how a guy would sing this. So with your writers, do you encourage them to, as they're, they're writing, to have an artist in mind? Or do you just tell them, hey, just go be your wild creative self and let me worry about who to play that for? I think sometimes it's who you're in the room with that writer has had success with an artist before and you can't help because like if you've had three cuts by one artist, you can't help but want to point the song at that artist. Mm -hmm. So that depends on who you're in the room with. But on the other hand, I think it's also 
difficult when you, you're trying to box a song in like that and not let the bird fly. I, you know, I think you're holding that little bird way too tightly in your hands. So if the objective is to go in there and write the best song with the best hook that you possibly can, I think sometimes that doesn't box it in. But on the other hand, sometimes you're in there with a writer and that writer is thinking where he's had success or she's had success and you go back to that well. Very cool. Butch, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. I know everyone here appreciates everyone watching and listening to the replays and I appreciate it as well. Great stuff. And we'll bug you on another day. God bless. Have a great night. You too. You too, Fred. I hope to see you guys soon. All right. And we're back. What'd you think? I love the no songwriter. I, like, I, I just, I, I want to be on a fly on the wall when, when he's in a pitch and like, okay, so who wrote it? You're like, I promise I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you yet. You tell yeah. me what you think about it. I'm going to tell right. you after you listen to it. Yeah. Exactly. It's, uh, you know, I remember an old joke. There's a Dean Miller song called Music Executive. And Dean is, is Roger Miller's son, uh-huh. famous Roger Miller. And Dean also has a wicked sense of humor. And, and we used to work together some. And anyway, there's a song he put out called I'm a Music Executive. And there's a part and he goes, what do I think about it? What, you know, like, what do I think about that song? I, I, I don't know. I haven't played it for anybody yet. i don't know what i think about it i haven't played it for someone else yet so it's kind of like a little bit of that getting away from the writer love and going okay well it doesn't matter who wrote it is it great is it not because you know he believes that as he said that you know not that anybody can write a hit but it doesn't just because you haven't written a hit before or you're not known as a hit writer doesn't mean you can't write one right and they don't want you to think you can't just because they don't know your name and they don't want to think he doesn't want people to think everything you write is great just because of that name, or at least he has to compete against that. You know, I mean, he has some great writers. Well, awesome. So that was, I meet the pro. You got another one coming up. Yeah. So every, at least every quarter in the member area, we have a know the pro event. And so that's when we bring in a pro like Butch Baker and, and we hang it's free with your songwriting pro membership, which is awesome. You also get access to all the previous ones. So we've had song of the year, songwriter, Jimmy year, Hall of Fame songwriter Byron Hill. I mean, we've just had a bunch of people and it's grown. We have more on the way, but you, you get to sit in on those, get FaceTime from anywhere in the world and, and get to ask your questions. We just played the first half, but the back half is when we open it up to questions from the community. And so you get to ask your burning question and get an answer from a pro. And so they're already loosened up by the time, you know, you're on there and asking your questions. So they're already talking, they're already warmed up. But what's really cool is in February, on February 11th of 2020, so coming up next month, our guest is going to be Stacy Wilbur. She's the VP of Publishing and A&R at Full Circle Music. Now, you may have already heard about Stacy because she was one of our recent guests on Play for Publisher. Mm-hmm. So if you may have already heard some of her stuff, some of her reviews of some of those songs that made the top 10, and maybe you have some questions from that going, well, she's talked about this and that. I got a question. Well, this is your chance to ask her a question about that or about anything else that's on your mind about the art, the craft, the business of songwriting, publishing. Uh, she's also kind of attached to the some labels stuff and artist stuff. So anyway, she's coming in on February 11th. So if you're a songwriting pro member, you get to join that for free. I send out the invitation link and then you get to join that. But it's online, so you can join from anywhere in the world. And again, if you can't make it live, you can always watch the video replays in the Songwriting Pro member area. Got these, these coming out. Those alone are worth the, the price of membership. So if you're curious about finding out more, you can go to songwritingpro.com slash inside. 
And that gives you a sneak peek at some of our Know the Pros, at some of our jam sessions, Man versus Row video. You just get to take a look and kind of pull back the curtain a little bit on the Songwriting Pro community. And I think it's well worth checking out and joining. So that's the songwritingpro.com. What about the songwriter who wants to sit and knows he's great or knows she's great, but wants to complain about not having access to the insiders? You're taking that away from them. Now what are they going to do? I guess they just don't join. What are they going to do? <laughs> complain. Well, somebody can say, well, and... yeah, but you can, go to, you can go to Songwriting Pro and you can like meet pros and stuff like that on a regular basis. Yeah, but it's like, you know, five or 10 bucks a month. So yeah, I mean, who I can invest that. in that? Yeah. Now, no, shut to... up. I'm on my way to Starbucks. The second time today. <laughs> right. It's happy hour. Yeah. Stop it. I can't afford that five to 10 bucks a month to maybe ask a pro my question and, <laughs> and catch up and pick people's brains and meet other songwriters and learn from people that are doing it. No, I just have to sit here and say, oh, I, it's should a good be, old boy network. I should be a famous songwriter with lots of money, but I can't because I can't get in. It's a, right. yeah, it's a velvet. Because they won't come find me. <laughs> yeah. yeah sorry about removing uh, yeah we're we're the excuse remover Jerk. sorry you suck I do what i can i know all right guys well that brings us to the end of another killer climb <laughs> episode join the climb community subscribe to the podcast wherever you consume podcasts so you get all the episodes in order you can pick and choose what you want to hear leave a rating and review hopefully it'll be five stars and let other people know please 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 we didn't make it to 200 last year let's make it to 200 by easter i think that's fair let's make it to 200 by easter and then finally uh, tell a friend about it they know like and trust you and if it's moving you if it's making a difference then by all means, please share it. We got a reputation. Spread it around. Mm -hmm. This podcast exists for you because we want you to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 